Keep your face always towards the sunshine and shadows will fall behind you. That is a quote by Walt Whitman. Welcome to Trina Talk. This is the podcast where guests share their stories of pursuing their passions, living a fulfilled life, and empowering others. Each week, I talk with inspiring leaders, business owners, and people with amazing stories from around the world in unscripted conversations as they share their successes and failures. This podcast is all about empowering you to keep striving in your personal and professional life. I am your host, Trina L. Martin. Welcome to episode 146. The topic of this week's episode is Whittle Turned Warrior. My guest this week is Jenny Lisk. Jenny is an author, speaker, and the host of the Whittle Parent Podcast, which has been featured in the Washington Post and Parent Map. She pivoted after 20 years in the IT industry into being a podcaster and author. Her husband died when she was 43. Adrift for a couple of years, knowing she needed to make a change, but not knowing what that would look like or how she would go about doing it. She felt completely lost as a widowed parent and realized there must be others who felt the same way. She declared a one-year sabbatical and went all in on creating a podcast for widowed parents. It's been two and a half years and she's not adrift any longer. Hi, Jenny. Welcome to Trina Talk. Hi, Trina. Thanks for having me. I've been looking forward to this. I'm looking forward to speaking with you as well. We have some things in common. You have an interesting story. But before we get into all the questions, tell the listeners who you are and how you came to be the Jenny that you are today. Ah, well, how much time do we have? That could take all day. (laughs) Um, Well, gosh, let's see. Um, So I, well, I'm a widowed parent, so I guess I won't bear the lead. Um, That is, that was the change in my life. Before that, I was in IT for 20 years. Um, So I, you know, grew up, went to college, went to grad school, got a job at a large IT company, and I spent 20 years doing project management, business analysis work. Um, in that world, which was was interesting, but it also wasn't quite um, probably the right fit, you know, eventually figured that out. Anyway, um, five years ago, my husband died. Well, he was diagnosed with glioblastoma, which is brain cancer. Um, and he was sick for eight months and then he died. And I spent that eight months feeling lost. Like I am going to be a widowed parent at the end of this. Like this is not going to end well. I don't know how long he's going to be sick, but it was one of those things where there really wasn't any, you know, chance that it would turn out differently. Um, so feeling lost and alone and not sure how to do this new job of being a widowed parent. Um, and so after he died, I was still working at the large tech company, um, but kind of thinking, you know, this is not like I need to do something in this widowed parenting space. I'm not sure what that is. But I got to help people, you know, like me. Um, And so I ended up starting a podcast, basically, and thinking that would be a really accessible format to go and interview different guests, um, bring what I was learning to my listeners and start with that. Um, And kind of one thing led to the 
to the other. And here we are today. So I can, I can, you know, deep dive deeper on any of that you want, but just to give kind of an overview, that's uh, that's how I ended up sitting in front of you today with both of us with our cool microphones here, <laughs> which are a lot of fun. At, I like your flag too. So hey, yours um, is awesome. <laughs> thank you. So um, sorry for um, your loss with your husband. Thank you. Um, thank you for sharing that with me. Mm. So you were in IT for 20 years and, and I was in IT for 20 years. So I was like, Ooh, wow. No way. Yeah. I was a programmer. So, um, okay. big, you know, mainframe programmer for like 20 years. So I uh, gotcha. Okay. Did that. Um, but I, I always like to, you know, see how people, their journey and how they go through their journey with whatever they're doing. Mm. And before your life took the turn that it did, when you were working for this big tech company, did you ever think of having your own business or that, you know what, this may not be it. Did you ever have those kind of thoughts? Um, it's funny. Did I ever think of having my own business? I actually, after, um, well, way back after college, I started my own little business. Now, very little. I was making websites for clients. And I didn't have very many clients, but one of them became my future husband. Uh, and then I went to, to grad school and I got a job with a small startup company, which then all of a sudden couldn't pay me. And so then I ended up in the large worldwide tech company. So I think for a long time, I enjoyed the, you know, the stability and the challenges and the interesting things of dealing with the worldwide team and all that. But eventually I started to feel like, oh, this, this, uh, this isn't quite right, but I don't know what I would change to, right? Like I need to change, but to what? And it's really hard when you're, you know, you have a job and they're paying you and you're using that money to pay your mortgage and your children's food and et cetera, et cetera. And you don't have a different idea of what you could do instead that would also pay you to pay your mortgage, right? It's like you stay there until you figure it out, or at least I did. Um, and, and I, you know, I thought of like, so this is now before he got sick, right? In, in the few years before that, um, maybe I should go back to school. I've always liked, like going to school seems exciting, you know? Uh, so I, I, I thought about becoming a nurse and I'm not sure why I thought of that exactly, but I got this idea and I went and, you know, researched all the requirements and all these things. And I, I enrolled in, at, we were living in Portland, Oregon at the time. So I went to Portland Community College because I needed uh like psych 101 or something. Cause I didn't have that at the undergrad level. So I'm like, let me take that. And I, like go on campus and I'm 35 years old. I'm like, yeah, I'm taking psych 101. This is so cool. And actually it was a really interesting class. But um, at the end of that, I was like, ah, I just, I can't go back to school right now. I had two, I had a baby and a toddler mm -hmm. and a full, and I'm like, I, I can't, I, I could, I could carve out, you know, one night a week to go to one class. But like having time to do homework as if it just wasn't working. I can't do a whole new program. And, you know, um, and it just didn't. So I still was kind of like, uh, you know, what do I do? Um, and so when my husband got sick and then died, and then I was really struggling with like, um, I should do something with widowed parenting, but I don't know what. And still the security of saying, you know, can I walk away from a job that's paying the bills? to do something unknown was really, I just, I, I couldn't quite do it. Eventually, see, and I should, I should back up and say I had been working remotely for 15 of those 20 years. 
So my team was still East Coast plus, you know, worldwide. And I was working from home way before everybody started working from home in the pandemic. Uh, I've been working from home for years, which was cool for a long time. But eventually they said, you know what? We want everybody to be all in the same office, sitting side by side and open office plans and all these things. So if you would like to keep your job, that is fantastic. Your job is now located in New York. Um, you know, we'll, we'll move you if you want to come, but if you don't want to come, see you later. Mm. And I said, you know what? First of all, um, at that point, I think my husband had been gone like a couple of years, you know, two, three years. And I was like, I've got family here and friends here, the support, the kids were both starting middle school and high school. Like it just was not a good time to move. Plus I'm like, why would I move for a job? that I might get laid off from anyway. And why would I move for a job that I've been trying to think of ways to leave anyway? Right. And then end up like what laid off and living in New York instead of like laid off and here where all my support structures are. Right. So, so that was kind of my chance to say, I'm not, well, I'm not going to take the move offer. So therefore they will lay me off. But then I still had to make a choice. Should I look for another similar job? You know, I'm here in Seattle. There are a lot of other tech companies here. Presumably I could have taken my skills and gotten a job, you know, a similar type job at some other company here. Um, And I decided, you know what? This is my chance to, I declared it a sabbatical. Um, I said, I'm going to take a year and I'm going to see what I can do in this widowed parenting space. I don't know what that looks like exactly. It's looking like it's going to start as a podcast. I know I want to do some writing, write books, write articles, you know, stuff. I don't know how it's all going to fit together, but if I take a year, I can see what I can do with it. Um, and I just kind of, you know, put my put a stake in the ground and said, I'm doing it. Um, and I should say, you know, I said it, I would give myself a year. It's been, it'll be three years in September. Oh. And I'm not looking back. <laughs> Um, so yeah. And it's kind of, it was kind of one of those things that I had to jump in and start doing things before. I think I've been the kind of person that wants to figure everything out ahead of time. Right. Like, okay, I can't, you know, leave the job until I figure out a leads to B leads to C and then this, and then this, and here's that all works out nicely and tie a bow around it. And we're good. Okay. So now I can change. Right. And so, so the, you know, the move and the layoff kind of forced my hand and forced me to, to say, cause I didn't, it's uncomfortable to feel like, you know, I chose to leave a paycheck, right? In this case, I'm okay. I, I could have kept a paycheck if I moved to New York, but that wasn't going to happen. So um, anyway, it's been a good lesson in in learning how I had some ideas, what, what direction I would go, and then kind of, you know, keeping that that pathway in mind, but learning as I go and adapting and figuring out how you know, things weave together and how I could start writing and, and kind of how everything could, could work. Um, I had to kind of jump in and start doing it before I could actually kind of figure some of that out, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I love that because so many times you have people who look at entrepreneurs and people who are doing things and they think, oh, if they, if they can do it, I can do it, which mm-hmm. is true, but they don't know all the wit- widgets and wickets and everything that goes on behind the scene. Cause I like you, same thing. It's like, okay, how do you leave a good paying job? Mm. You know, me, I'm a single mother of two children as well. So I'm mm. like, yeah, how do you leave 
okay, this is paying my bills. I got health insurance. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a big thing. You know, it's not yeah. just something you just say, haphazardly say, oh yeah, I'm going to do this. But then once you do it, and I guess my question is, once you did it, how did you feel? How did you feel? And, and like you said, you, you know, you blog, you have a book out, you podcast, how did all of that come together from your situation and your journey? How did all of that, how did you say, you know what, this is the route that's best for me and that I'm going to take and yeah. you made it successful? Mm. Well, and you started by asking, how did I feel? It's kind of funny. I, um, I left that job like the first of September and I spent that first week, so this is 2018. I spent that first week, like totally adrift. Like I'd spent all these years, like in a corporate structure and waking up every day and reporting to a boss and doing things according to other people's agendas. And all of a sudden I was like, whoa, nothing's going to happen unless I get my act together and do these things, right? Nobody's going to tell me what I should be doing or what I could be doing or prioritizing things for me. Um, so I spent like a week just totally adrift. And then I started actually thinking about the first thing I did was organize a kind of an online cancer summit thing. And that had an urgent deadline. So then, and I've always worked well with deadlines. So I had to like, once I decided I was going to do that, I'm like, all right, kick into gear and just, you know, do this. And then the next deadline turns out that November is children's grief awareness month. And so I was like, podcast, I should do it. And then I was like, okay, I'm really doing it. And if I'm going to do it, I got to hit November because it's too good of an opportunity to miss children's grief awareness month. It's kind of like, you know, if you're going to open a, a bakery and, you know, and you're close to like national donut day or something, you ought to do it on donut day. If, if you're six months away from donut day, fine, don't worry about it. But if like you wouldn't want to hit it like the week after donut day. Right. <laughs> like, so I'm like, I, I can't launch the podcast like in December. If, if children's grief awareness month is November, it's too good of an opportunity to miss. So that forced me to scramble. And so once I had that kind of focus and that deadline and it kind of created for myself that I was going to hit that. Uh, and what do you know? Sure enough, the last week in November, I launched the podcast. Um, so, and then I, here's the funny thing. Um, I actually spent a long time. The reason I've been dragging my feet so long on the podcast was not the technical aspects or, you know, I found out how to get a microphone and how to set up the hosting and, you know, I got a graphics made, but I was really struggling with, with my piece of it. Like, who am I to host a podcast for widowed parents, right? I don't know anything. I'm a widowed parent who needs this information. How can I be the expert who says, oh, widowed parents, you should do this and you should know that and that, blah, 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 whatever, right? I, I'm not, I can't be the teacher on this. I'm, I'm the student. And I was, and, and, and part of it was self-doubt, right? Why is anybody going to want to listen to me? And people would say, oh, but you have your story and your experience and that's powerful. And I'm saying, yeah, okay, I get it. But that's something was missing. And then I realized that I was looking at it all the wrong way, yeah. that I needed to flip it on its head, that I, I wasn't the expert. I wasn't a grief counselor, social worker. I didn't run a grief center. I wasn't the expert. So I shouldn't, well, I shouldn't pretend to be the expert. I shouldn't try to become the expert. I should, I should use the fact that I'm not the expert as my advantage, that I can, I can stand here in the place of my listeners. I can, I can stand in their place in this interview with this guest expert and ask questions on behalf of my listeners, because I am one of them. I am truly one of them. 
So I can use my knowledge of my own situation. I can use my knowledge from the conversations I have with other widowed parents and the things I read and interact and be their representative in this conversation, saying to this expert, teach me. And then we will share this out to my listeners, right? And so once I figured that out, I was off and running. And so to to generalize that, I think it was a mental block that I had. And I had to get my head around clearing that and what was the model that made sense. And once I figured out that it made sense, then I already had the graphics and I already had the microphone and I started lining up guests. And the really cool thing is... um, Well, there was another little problem. I had never interviewed anybody ever for anything. Oh, how do I interview people, right? So I Googled. I'm like, well, who's the best interviewer that I could think of? Well, Terry Gross from Fresh Air. She's the best interviewer I could think of. So I Googled how to interview like Terry Gross. (laughs) I wonder what will come up. And um, I found a blog post where someone had gone through and analyzed what they thought she did well. And then the most interesting thing was I found a very long New York Times interview with her about how she approaches her work and her career and how she prepares for interviews and how she thinks about her role as a host drawing out stories. And I really like dug deep on trying to understand um, her mindset around that and picked out which parts, you know, made sense for what I was doing. And, and, um, tried to learn. It was really tremendously helpful in thinking about um, drawing stories out of people, really. And obviously, I don't do what Terry Gross does, but I figure if I can do a little tiny bit of what she does, I'll be on my way, right, to to setting up a good interview. So I set up my first interview, and I really wanted to interview um, my neighbor first, because she was a widowed parent, and she'd been widowed for like 10 years at that point, so she had lots of experience, you know, things to share. She said she'd do an interview, and just by a fluke of the way things got scheduled, um, she was second on my calendar and a complete stranger was first. Wow. And I'm like, oh my God, like with my neighbor, I was like, okay, if I forgot to hit record, I could probably get her to do it again. Right. <laughs> like, right. right. If the thing came out lousy, I'll just say, we gotta do it again. Well, it didn't work that way. So I get on with this stranger first interview. I forgot to write down what time we started. So we're totally absorbed in this conversation. And I'm oh, this is so great. And she's sharing all these great things with listeners. And I was like, wait a minute, have we been going for 20 minutes or like an hour and 20 minutes? Like I have no clue at that point how long we've been going. It's like, well, okay, I'll just ask like two more questions and wrap it up. And it is what it is. <laughs> so I did that. But, and then when we hung up, it was, it was the best discussion. We hung up. It was that feeling of like, wow, like this, this is what. I should be doing like I loved it and I I loved connecting with her, but, and mostly I loved like sharing this stuff with people like me who were, I hear from widowed parents all the time. They feel lost. They feel like they're the only ones. They don't know anybody in their kid's school or their neighborhood. If they know somebody who's widowed, they're 75, 85 or 95. They're not, you know, 35 or 45 with kids in grade school or high school or something. Um, so at the, it's a very long way of answering your question, how I felt when I started doing this, I, as soon as that first interview was over, I was like, that's it. Mm -hmm. This is, this is why I left it. This is why I'm doing this. And then it was just, it was, you know, going run. It's been running ever since. Wow. I love that because oftentimes we're what we're looking for, you know? So when we are going out and saying, 
well, I want to do this. And like you say, you're thinking, well, who am I? I'm not the expert. Well, it's like, you're not trying to be the expert. You're actually who you were looking for right. when you needed it. But and- I thought I had to be the expert. I thought to be a podcast host, I had to be an expert, right? Mm-hmm. So that's like, okay, well, what assumptions do you bring into something? And are those good assumptions that are helpful? Or are those unhelpful assumptions that are blocking you in some way? And are those, do those assumptions have to be true? I mean, it could be true for some kinds of podcasts. You do want to be an expert because you're sharing, you know, if I was going to do a, I don't know, a cooking show or something, I would probably want to feel like I knew a lot about cooking and could share my knowledge with my guests. Right. I mean, so it depends on the topic. And so looking at, well, the assumptions I was making and telling myself in this case were unhelpful assumptions. And when I could get the perspective to kind of stand back and say, can I flip these assumptions on their head? That is what made me say, aha, yes, flip them. That's the model. It makes sense for me. It makes sense for my audience. It makes sense to, to do the job I'm trying to do, which is to bring this information and resources to people who really really need it. And you know, there's right now, I mean, so we're in a pandemic still as we're recording here, 40,000, then this is just in the US, 40,000 kids now have a dead parent because of this pandemic. And I'm talking like kids and teenagers. I'm not talking like people who lost grandparents. I'm not talking about people who are adults who lost their parents. I'm talking about children. Wow. Um, 40,000 just from the pandemic, plus all the people, then they, we still have cancer. We still have car accidents. We still have other things. That's a lot of kids who now have a dead mom or a dead dad and a surviving parent who is now a widowed parent who is now raising their kids as an only parent and, and doing a job they didn't expect, right? When you, when you have kids, you expect, all right, well, we're going to have you know, potty training issues and teaching them to ride bikes. And then we're going to have to teach them about, you know, school and getting along with peers and getting jobs. And there's a lot lot of childhood and life lessons you expect to impart to children. And you might think you're going to deal with death in the context of maybe your dog is going to die at some point. And then maybe at some point a, a grandparent might die, but you don't expect that all of a sudden when your kids are in my case, nine and 11, we're dealing with grief in a big way. Cause their dad just died. Like that wasn't on my, that wasn't in my plan. That wasn't on my radar screen. And most wow. parents feel lost and feel alone. And so um, I wanted to, you know, try to fill that gap. Wow. So that sounds very interesting. So go into exactly what you're talking about in your podcast and in your book. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So the podcast is called the Widowed Parent Podcast. So the audience is primarily widowed parents who are still raising their kids. So they have kids, they have teenagers up through college age. Like if they're adult kids, then they're not probably listening to my show. Right. Um, And I interview a mix of, I kind of put them in three categories of guests. So one category are experts. Experts is kind of a broad category. These are people who run grief centers, um, people who write books about grief or about children's grief, people who um, run grief camps, people who can talk about anxiety and grief or talk about, um, 
you know, the uh, what parents should know about grieving children at different age groups and things like that. Um, and, and also, by the way, another flavor of that is general parenting experts that aren't grief specific, but I, because my listeners, they're widowed parents. Okay. They're parents. And so they still have kid issues and teenage issues that are not related to grief, or sometimes they're tied up with grief, but you know, and so I also interview parenting experts, um, who can shed light on, you know, that your new job as a, an only parent, single parent, um, with that kind of information as well. So experts is a broad category, but that's, that's one. The second is experienced widowed parents who are some years out from their loss, who can reflect, um, share what went well, what didn't go well, what they wish they'd known, what kind of advice they got that maybe wasn't good or was good. Um, maybe recommend some books that they found particularly helpful, any kind of, you know, sharing and reflections from, from seasoned widowed parents, which, has both an information aspect, but also a, um, you know, I hear from listeners all the time. They feel less alone when they hear other people's stories um, that just, you know, sharing, even if the person's story is a little different or maybe a lot different, they still feel less alone hearing from them and hearing that they're five years out, 10 years out, you know, and they're still going. You know? <laughs> right. So that's the second category. Third category, which has been very interesting is um, people who are adults now, and when they were a kid or when they were a teenager, their parent died. And now they're 25, 35, 45, 55 years old, and they're reflecting back and, you know, on how that went and what they wish people had known or done differently or what, what you know, how it went with school and peers and what they wish their surviving parent had known. Um, and I got this idea because, you know, it's an interesting phenomenon. Um, my kids and I, we all lost the same person. His name was Dennis. We all lost him. But we lost a very different relationship. I lost a husband. They lost a father. It's so even though it's the same person, it's a different loss. Not that one's easier, harder, better, worse. It's just a different experience of it. Right. And I realized I don't know what it's like to lose a parent. Right. Both my parents are still alive, fortunately. Um, but as a parent, I would like to try to understand my kids' experience, you know, as, as well as I can, as someone who hasn't lived it, right. I can only understand so much, but I would like to understand as much as I can try to better understand their perspectives. And I figured that one of the best ways to do that would be to talk to people who have now grown up, but were in my kids' situation when they were young. Um, and it's so great. You know, most of them don't do grief work professionally. They're not in this world. They have other jobs in their own lives and, and they've been willing to share, you know, that part of their lives and their experience to try to help, you know, today's grieving kids. Um, some of the people I've interviewed have gone on to do grief work. Some people grow up to do this kind of work because they had the, a loss at a young age and they become interested in going into social work or counseling or grief work. Um, but it's really, you know, like as an example of the kind of things that I wouldn't expect, um, I was talking to someone recently who there were, they were teaching their teenager to drive and um, the, the, the girl was freaking out or, you know, she was, it was stressful. And, and I expected the problem to be like, she was sad because she would wanted her dad to teach her to drive or she assumed that her dad, not that seems awfully sexist to me. Like, why is your dad going to be the one to teach you to drive? Cause moms drive too, obviously. But anyway, 
I thought maybe, you know, she was upset because her friend's dads were teaching them and her dad wasn't there to teach her or whatever. Right. But no, that wasn't the issue. The issue was that she was totally freaked out that she, as a new driver and learning driver might cause an accident, kill some poor person and leave some other poor family without a dad or a mom. And, and so that's the kind of thing, like, I didn't see that one coming. Right. Like I, I, I would not have anticipated that in a million years as a, as a widowed parent. Right. And so by talking to people with all different experiences and they lost their parent when they were three or 12 or 19 and they have different journeys, but you get a good sense of what some of the issues that might come up, some of the things to be on the lookout for, some of the experiences. It's not like any two people are going to be exactly the same, but I think talking to and listening to people share their stories helps a lot with, um, you know, put stuff on my radar screen that I wouldn't, wouldn't be aware of. So that's the third category of people that I interview. And so it's a kind of a mix from week to week, um, you know, and, uh, and it's just been, wonderful. And I hear from listeners all the time that they, they really find it helpful and feel less alone. Um, and I, I'm, I'm going to be doing episode 100 soon. So, um, it's been going for a while now. In fact, I'm a little stalled. I should have done it already, but I I really want to do something special for 100 instead of just, you know, running a regular interview. And so I've got to get that started out here. But as you know, when you run a podcast and do a million other things, there's a lot to do and, uh, you don't always do it, uh, (laughs) Uh, everything exactly you know but it'll all work out 100 will run soon and um yeah so did that answer your question yeah i mean it sounds your podcast sounds amazing what you're doing is amazing it just as you were speaking i was just listening i'm like wow this is such a great space it's something i've never heard of or Hmm. heard anybody that has done that and i and honestly something i've never even thought about. Hmm. So to have a resource or podcast like that for someone who is in that time in their life, I could see how that is very helpful for them. Hmm. Um, it's just, it's, it's just so, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's so profound that you decided to do that. Hmm. Um, because yeah, I don't think the average person would have thought let me turn my grief into this. Mm. Mm. I think, I think a lot of times people as they're going through things, they say, well, let me volunteer or let me um, whatever work for this organization, whatever. But Mm. you took it a totally different route, which like I said, I would have never, I would have never even thought about that. And just thinking about that and thinking about, people going through that, or if, even if I were in that shoe, I was like, wow, if I were in that time of my life like that, having a podcast would be something that would be so, um, comforting, hmm. so hmm. comforting to have, because yeah, you, like you say, you know, you felt alone here. You are, you know, going through this and you didn't know where to turn or whatever. So you're giving others that thing that you wish you had. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I'm trying to do with the book too. Right. And in fact, I have another book that's coming down the road, probably not for a while, but 
one of the things I did early on was go to Amazon and type in like, where's the book on widowed parenting? Like, how do I do this? Right. I was finding books on this and this and this, but I wasn't finding a book on how do I be a widowed parent? Someone said to me recently, it's kind of like when you have a baby and they have like what to, ex- what to expect when you're expecting and what to expect for infants and the toddler years. Like there's no what to expect when the other parent dies. Wow. There's no book like that. So I was like, oh, okay, hmm. I should write that book. I haven't written that one yet. Um, but the podcast is part of that because mm-hmm. the interviews that I'm doing become research also yeah. for the book, right? And they become experts to go back and interview again to include in the book. So I'm still working on that piece. But in the meantime, I decided to write the memoir, which is called Future Widow. And it's set in the eight months that my husband was sick. So the eight months starting from when he said, I'm feeling a little dizzy, like out of the blue and, you know, dizzy, right? I mean, maybe you're tired or dehydrated. I mean, you don't think, oh, well, he probably has brain cancer, right? Like, and it went from there to he died. And in between we had like all these surgeries and ER visits and crazy and like, and then hospice several months at home. And then he died. And during that eight month time, I had a caring bridge journal, hmm. you know, caring bridge. It's like an online, it's free. It's a basically an online blog uh, platform specifically for people, families going through some kind of crisis, a health crisis. You see it a lot, or, you know, um, somebody, you know, an urgent, somebody's in the hospital and, and you want to get the word out to family and keep people updated and, you know, somebody's condition and coordinate, maybe, helping with food or whatever. Um, and you can just like quickly and easily set up a free blog on their site and you can put a password or not, depending on how you want. And then people can follow along. And I, uh, somebody suggested to me that I should set up a caring bridge site when my husband was first, I'm sitting in the waiting room. He's having his first surgery, you know, brain surgery. Um, and I said, no, I don't need a caring bridge site. I'll just send some updates by email, by text, and that'll be fine. Well, pretty quickly it became obvious that that was not gonna I'd be like texting people all day if I tried to do that so I set up this thing my sister set it up actually and then I started posting on it and it's interesting because in the beginning um the updates were very much more logistical you know he had surgery and he's eating and maybe he'll come home tomorrow and then as time went on I started doing more like writing and reflection and processing grief and sharing what was going on behind the scenes and you know things like that and so Fast forward to the end of all this, I had 15,000 words of writing in the form of these posts. And I thought, I think there's a book there. I don't know what it is. I feel like this is the start of a story. This isn't the whole story because I didn't want, I didn't think a book should just be like, this happened, this happened, this happened, the end, right? It needed to have more somehow. So I sat on it for a long time as I worked on the podcast and and started thinking of ideas and I realized that I was learning so much through the podcast, particularly about grief and children's grief that I could go back and use that caring bridge eight months worth of writing as the kind of the backbone of the story, but then add in reflections and like what was happening behind the scenes that I wasn't ready to share at the time. And um, you know, what, was happening, what what I wish I had known, what I would have done differently if I had known some of these things I know now from interviewing all these experts. Um, 
And there's another aspect to it too, of how our community supported us so tremendously. Um, and, and I learned so much from them about how to support a family that's in crisis. Right. And it's interesting because when you're the recipient of all this help and, and all this contact and interactions, you realize like some people are comfortable. Some people are not comfortable. Some people get it. Some people don't get it. Some people don't know what to say. So they say nothing. Right. And some people, you know, don't, don't know what to say. So they say, I don't know what to say, but I'm so sorry you're going through this. And you're like, Hey, that was good. Right. <laughs> and the person who doesn't know what to say, so they say nothing. You're like, do they even know? Do they even care? Mm -hmm. And this was all stuff that I, I'm sure I screwed up on all these things before too. Right. But being on the other end of it, you see lots of people's reactions and lots of people's interactions and responses. So I wanted to add that layer into the book as well, too, to really show people some examples of how you can be a good ally to a family that is grieved or in crisis of some kind. Um, so I wove all that in then to the book and, um, and, but the book doesn't end when he dies because, and I struggled for a long time with where does the book end, right? Does the story end when he dies? I didn't think it did, but I didn't know where it would end. Mm -hmm. And so I realized that that was not the end. And there's a part three after that, which goes to like, okay, now what? How do we pick up these pieces, right? How do we now figure out what does life look like now? Because he died. And if I had a magic wand, of course I would undo that. But I don't have a magic wand that can undo that. No matter what I do, say, think, whatever, can't change the fact that he died. So what am I going to do now? Because I'm alive and I'm here and I have 50 more years, I hope. Right? So, so that piece of what do we do next um, is like, you know, I continue the book through to actually to the point where I start the podcast. And I realized, cause that was kind of the pinnacle of, you know, I've, I've got a, a, a path here, you know, I've put some pieces back together. I guess I shouldn't give away all the spoilers in the book, uh, but anyway, um, you know, so that's, that it's an interesting, um, book to describe because it's a memoir mm -hmm. but it's also there is a lot you know that i've woven in about learning about children's grief and all that stuff um it's 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 meant to be helpful as well um mm -hmm. you know to people in this situation yeah you know you were talking you were like where does it end and i was thinking she should end it like when she starts the podcast ah, you know? see there you go <laughs> the podcast and the book so i was like yes, yes. Um, yeah yeah this, you know, so with you doing the book, so it seems like you're going to have a series of books and the podcast, would you say that it has helped you in your healing process? Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. Mm -hmm. um, I've got something constructive to do that I'm excited about and that I'm giving back. I'm, I feel like I'm in my own small way, helping the world or impacting the world much more than I ever did in my 20 years in IT. Mm -hmm. Because in my 20 years in IT, I did good work. But when it comes right down to it, I was helping a company sell more of their stuff because we had some good systems they could use to run their business. Mm -hmm. And it's something about that for me, just once I started like framing it that way, I was like, I, I, you know, this isn't the thing I should be doing. Um, now, I should say, you know, I worked with great people. I learned a lot of things. 
in a kind of a funny way, I'm using some of, I'm not using any of my actual skills of like corporate IT work in, right. in to do this, but in terms of like comfort with technology, familiarity with technology, you know, I'm doing like website stuff and social media stuff now that I never did at all in my other job, but, but tackling this stuff isn't, isn't daunting because I have the tech background. Um, so I forgot what your question was, but um, yeah. You're healing. <laughs> yeah. Oh yes. Right, right, right. Yeah, you know, and I, and and the other thing too, I, I you know, I needed. I still, when I started the podcast, I had to learn a lot. I wanted to learn a lot myself. I was still saying, "How I've got these two children that at the time were nine and eleven. Now they're fourteen and sixteen. Their dad died. This is obviously a big part of their story for the rest of their lives. But how does it become?" part of their story and not something that like destroys the rest of their lives. Mm. Right. And I felt like I needed to learn how, how how I as a parent could help, you know, facilitate that. And I didn't know where to turn for these answers. And so I was like, well, if I go interview people, I'm learning and I can apply that. And since I'm talking to these people and recording it and sharing it, other people can learn too. Right. Right. So, so that, I mean, there's a, a whole, you know, self-interest as well in saying, let me learn, you know, from these people. Um, and, you know, and I can ask questions. Sometimes I'll, I mean, I, I know in an interview, I don't say, my kid is struggling with X, you know, what should I do? I don't, because it's my kid's story and their privacy, I don't do that. But I, but I can say, you know, I hear from widowed parents a lot that, X is a concern. Or one of the things I hear a lot is Y or Z. What do you think? Right. And, you know, I'm not making that up because I know I'm struggling with it, but I am hearing from other people too that they're struggling with it. So they're good questions and they're legit because they're based on the experience of, you know, widowed parents like myself who are struggling with these things. Um, but you know, it's terrific to talk to all these experts and be able to ask them you know, the questions that I want to ask them too. Mm. So what has your feedback been um, from just people who have been touched by your podcast or by your books? Yeah. Well, it's really been great. You know, I love it when people write to me. Um, They write back to my weekly emails or they contact me on my website. And sometimes they'll say, Oh my gosh, I loved this episode. I learned so much from you know this guest on this topic. And sometimes it's more general. You know, I was feeling really feeling lost and alone before I found your show and hearing other people's stories has been so helpful. Sometimes through me or I mean through the show and the and and the topics, they've been connected to resources. I heard from a woman in um Atlanta um who had heard an interview that I'd done with Kate's Club which is in Atlanta which is a terrific organization they run a grief program so there's a lot of in different cities there's kids and family grief programs and they usually have groups for little kids and kids and teenagers and young adults and parents and they have various programming and stuff and so I had interviewed this person in Kate's Club great woman with lots of information um and a listener wrote to me and said oh my goodness I live right down the street from Kate's club. My husband died a couple of years ago. I didn't know Kate's club was there. I drive past it every day on the way to commute on my commute. And I didn't know it was there. 
And I heard your show, you know, you're, you in, you're in Seattle talking to someone down the block from me in Atlanta. And when I listened to your show, I called up Kate's Club and I said, oh, my goodness, I need to bring my family in. And they started going and it's been wonderful. And I'm still in touch with that listener. She writes to me from time to time. Um, and, you know, so it's really. There are some listeners that I do, you know, for a little while I was doing a um, like a once a month Sunday evening Zoom, kind of like a book club, but like a podcast club. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I met some of them, you know, in person, so to speak, I mean, on Zoom um, and chatted and, you know, interacting on social media. So it's, it's really been wonderful. And now since the book has come out, um, I mean, the reviews, if it's so nice to hear what resonates with people, mm-hmm. you know, um, whether it's people who are widowed parents or people who are not, who have maybe experienced grief of different losses, not a spouse or a parent, but but they say it's helpful or people who haven't had any, you know, particular close losses, but they've supported friends or are supporting friends going through it. And they said they've learned people who've reached out and said, gosh, I, you know, after I read your book, it caused me to have a conversation with so-and-so, my sister, my best friend, my whoever, um, that, you know, I hadn't known what to say to them. But after I read your book, I realized, first of all, it was important to have the conversation. And secondly, I got some tips and or they even used the book as a as a starting point for discussion. Hey, I read this book recently. And it, it's like an excuse to open a conversation. Um, so it's been so great to hear from them. And if anybody's listening and um, and and reads it, I'd love to hear what you know, what you think, um, because it's. You know, it's hard writing a memoir. Um, mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many times I almost quit. Yeah. Even at the 11th hour, like the book was almost done. And I started freaking out. Right. Like memoir as a genre, by definition, it's pretty exposing. Right. And I should have realized that ahead of time. And I did realize it, but I didn't really in my gut feel yeah. it until the end. And I was like, oh, my God, this book is coming out what are people going to think? Mm-hmm. And also that it was that. And then it was like, is it going to help anybody anyway? Yeah. Right. Like I'm doing all this. Is it really going to help people? So I, well, I went and downloaded Brene Brown's book on vulnerability mm-hmm. from on Audi- audible. And I like binge, I listened to the whole thing in one afternoon. Cause I was really freaking out. This was like a month before the book came out. And I was like, vulnerability. I got to get comfortable with vulnerability if this book is going to come out. And so I binge and listened to her and I was like, okay, maybe I can do vulnerability. <laughs> and then I reached out you know, to a few people who had read the book ahead of time. And, and, um, and I was like, I'm freaking out. And they kind of, you know, talked me down and um, including my writing accountability partner has been wonderful. Um, talked me off uh, ledge a few times. <laughs> so yeah, it's an interesting process. Um, but it is great to hear from listeners and readers because that's why I'm doing it. And if the book isn't helping anybody, then I didn't do a good job with it. And um, so it's nice to hear that it is. Yeah. Wow. I mean, you're doing such great work, like I said, in a space that I never, never even thought of. And maybe you should do a children's book somewhere in your. Oh, that's on the list. So, okay. So <laughs> I got to tell you. All right. So. So I mentioned the, oh, I don't think I said it's going to be called the widowed parent handbook. That's going to okay. be like a nonfiction deep dive. That's the book that I tried to search on Amazon when I was first, mm. like, how do I be a widowed parent? 
Like, mm-hmm. and the problem is it's like, it's not like you can say do X, Y, and Z and everybody's fine and you're done. Right. And so it's not so easy to write a book like this. Right. And it, but it's, cause it's not like there's nothing, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of it depends and you know, so anyway, the widow parent handbook is going to be a nonfiction. It's going to be the what to expect when the other parent dies. Mm-hmm. Right. That's that. But that is going probably a couple of years down the road because I also have several things I want to do first. And one of them, I want to put together some anthologies and get contributors uh, from other widowed parents um, sharing in kind of shorter, like 2000 word pieces, you know, mm-hmm. um, probably organizing it by topic about their experiences and to really try to share multiple perspectives. You know, everybody has different um, journeys, different things that they struggle with. Um, and a lot of it depends on the ages of your kids and the other situations and, you know, all kinds of things. So um, pulling in multiple perspectives and organizing that into some themes. I'm, so I'm going to do some anthologies like that, um, several with you know, different audiences and kind of broken down different ways. And then you mentioned children's books. So I have this idea and I've been kicking it around for a long time. Um, it's probably going to, it's, I might be, co- the working series title is something like Kids Like Me. And it's, this the 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 protagonist in each story is going to be a kid who lost a parent and these are going to be picture books right so little kid books so they have to be kind of picture book level stories and it's not they're not going to be like grief heavy books right it's not going to be like you know um the dinosaur died and now the baby dinosaur is sad and it's not going to be that kind of a book Mm -hmm. um i haven't worked it all out yet but there's 24 different characteristics of positive psychology different um, character traits in positive psychology. And I want to tie this in with post-traumatic growth and the idea that um, kids can learn maybe some, some skills and personal characteristics they didn't know they had, you know, resilience, um, other things, you know. And so um, because there's 24 traits in positive psychology, I think I'm going to break it down into 24 different books, one on each theme, mm-hmm. and then have 24 different protagonists, different settings and, and um, balance up all the scenarios and family compositions and everything else. Um, and it might just be even like little kid problems. Like, you know, my dad died. So who's going to teach me how to ride a bike? Oh, well, you know, my soccer coach is going to teach me. Or I don't know. I haven't worked it all out yet. Um, but that's, I'm kind of working on that on the side. So look for that at some point in the future. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I will. And I hope the listeners, anyone that's out there that, may be struggling in this area as far as grief and um, parenting, um, please get Jenny's book, listen to her podcast, because it's something that's great. Like I said, I just, I think it's fabulous. I think, um, yeah, this is your way of showing up in the world. And I, I really, I'm really touched by it. You know, I'm, I'm really loving what you're doing and I hope you continue to do it because it's something that, is needed in just just the positivity and helping other people is something that we just need anyway in this world. But you found that that space that I think has been neglected. And I think you saw that as far as when you were searching for something that you needed. So I, I really commend you on t- pivoting and turning um, what was your dark time into something that really is inspiring and helping other people. Because like I said, normally we would not do that just as people. We would think, well, 
this is my life and this is what I'm going through now. But Hmm. it really takes somebody who's strong to say, okay, yeah, this is what I'm going through now, but this is a way that I can help other people. So I really commend you on that. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's uh, it's been a good experience and I should say it's fun too, which might sound weird to do a podcast on grief and have it be fun, but I love connecting with the listeners, the guests. I love thinking up new ways to try to make sure listeners are getting this information and, you know, try to get the word out that there are some resources available. Um, It's kind of a fun puzzle to try to, to crack, you know, to try to help as many people as, as, as possible. Yeah. And I, and I love what you said about the listener who contacted you from Atlanta and was like, Hey, I didn't even know this place existed. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and how many times has that happened to us? You know, just, I mean, it's, it's happened to me before. Like, you're like, what really that, you know, what is that? That exists. I didn't know that. Yeah. And it's sometimes that's all we need. We just need someone to point us yeah. in the right direction. Yeah. And she wrote me the nicest letter. It was terrific. And, and like I said, we're still in touch. So, um, so it's fun. Yeah. Well, we're going to get into our questions. I love talking with you. Cause I mean, like I said, it's just, I, I, my mind is just going and I'm like, wow, just such a good <laughs> conversation. We could probably keep talking all day, but yes, we need to get to your questions here. So, yeah. So, okay, here we go. Uh, Who, I, don't know what? I don't know what's coming here. I'm a little worried. <laughs> Have no fear. I know everybody gets scared, but I'm, I'm, I'm really gentle. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. We're just all good. It's all good. <laughs> Who or what motivates you? Oh, well, you know, I think I'm really motivated by not wanting anybody else in my shoes to feel as lost and alone as I have felt at times in this journey. Okay. What demotivates you? Mm. What demotivates me? Oh, boy. Uh, Not having a deadline. Okay. The flip side of that is having a deadline motivates me. <laughs> so not having one is, is actually demotivating. Okay. So when was a time that something was said or done to hurt you, but it worked out for your good? Oh, that's an interesting one. I mean, I can't say so. So, you know, being presented, you know, getting the call from the boss saying you have to move to New York if you want to keep your job. I mean, that wasn't done in order to hurt me. It was part of a larger corporate blah, 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 blah nonsense. Um, but it was an action that could have hurt me greatly. Okay. You know, I mean, losing my job of 20 years as a single parent. Um, but in the end, I think it was the best thing that could have happened because it forced me to make a change. And it forced me to say, I'm not sure how this is all going to work out, but you know, and it felt a little easier saying it's a one year sabbatical, right? Cause I had an out at the end of the year or even sooner. If I wanted, I could go get a job at another tech company here. Um, but that I think ended up being the best thing that could have happened. What is your fear? Hmm. What is my fear? I don't know. You know, um, this is totally not going to be an answer, but it's a different sort of an answer. Mm -hmm. When my husband was sick, 
Um, and and I'll, I'll tell the short version of the story because I know we don't have all day. Uh, my friend had said that I should get him to write cards to the kids that they could open in future graduations and whatever. But it was sounded like a terrible task, including because he never remembered that he was dying because the brain cancer affected him cognitively. So long story short, one day I decided it was the time that I had, like, he had a little bit of awareness. I could go, he was at the hospital. I could go over and bring cards and get him to write the cards. So I walked into the hospital and I like this sense of dread of knowing the task that was in front of me that I have to walk in, tell him he's dying and tell him he has to write cards to the kids. Like I, this, the revulsion, I can still feel the sense of dread that was like welling up in me. Now listeners can't see that my hands are like rising. This dread is like rising. Right. Um, and I decided in that moment that like, that was hard. So other stuff wasn't going to be hard. Like, Mm. is it, is it really that scary to have your boss yell at you or to give a presentation or, or any, can any of those things really scary if this was scary? This was like, right. So it's not like I have no fears, but a lot of stuff kind of fell into perspective, but from that experience. Wow. Yeah. Makes you, makes you look at things a lot differently. Hmm. Um, Is there a time when you wish you had done something that you didn't? A time when I wish I had done something, but I didn't do it. Oh, well, I put all kinds of examples in the book. (laughs) of things that I wish I had done differently when with regards to, to parenting Mm. and, you know, in this eight months when I'm like, I'm not a widowed parent yet, but I kind of am because he's so ill and incapacitated that I am the only parent. And I know I'm going to have grieving kids, you know, in the future. And I got some good advice never to like to always tell them the truth. So I did. And that was super helpful. But what I wish I had done was take that extra step to kind of open the conversation more, open the hard conversations. So I think in some level, I was so relieved, like on a day-to-day level, like they got to school and that someone took them to soccer practice and they, you know, we had food being delivered by people making casseroles and whatever, like things were taken care of and they were kind of sort of more or less okay because they were doing the things they need to do, but they could not have really been okay. Like mm. inside with everything going on. Right. But I think I was so, I had, I had so many things I was managing and all the medical stuff and all the pills and all the doctor's visits and all the ER visits and all the problems. And the kids were kind of okay. And that was like right. a relief, but I really wish that I had, known and taken the time if I was at the hospital all day and they were shipped off to yet another friend's house or relative's house to circle back with them and say how was that for you this must be awfully hard and kind of let them know start letting them know it's okay to talk about this you don't have to keep it you know inside Mm -hmm. for fear of upsetting me or something I really wish I had known and done better and you know, I didn't know any better so I'm not beating right. myself up about it but that's one of the reasons why I felt so strongly about including this stuff in the book so that other people could could learn some of these things you know before I did wow that's profound my answers are probably too long here we're never going to get no. through all your- <laughs> no I mean I like it you know that's why I do this because I like people to just be real mm. um is there a time that you wish you had not done something I 
I'm sure there must be, but I'm having a little trouble thinking of it at the moment. Okay, we'll skip that. Okay. I get one pass, right? Yeah, one pass only. <laughs> okay, better not be any more hard ones. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. What is your definition of success? Oh, what is my definition of success? You know, I want to live, really live, like not kind of like, I don't know if this is a G-rated podcast. No. (laughs) Well, I don't really want to kind of like half-ass my way through the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. And I think that would be the definition to me of the opposite of success. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like if I really live and, and do something I'm passionate about and, you know, I have exciting stuff to wake up to every day, um, that'll be good, you know? And, Mm -hmm. um, and the opposite of that would be, and this is part of what, after he died, I was like, if I've got 50 more years left or give or take, whatever, you know, one of the things I said to myself was he got kind of half of a life. Mm. It was 44. So is that half? I don't know. Maybe, right? About half, mm-hmm. let's say, based on averages. Um if I, and I said, if I kind of live the, so, so that was tragic. He got half the life and that was tragic. If I half-assed my way through the rest of my life, that's going to be like double tragedy. Mm-hmm. Like that doesn't have to happen. He died and there's no changing that. And I get to choose now from now to forward what, what I'm going to do or not do and how that's going to look. And I don't want that to become tragic because of this other tragedy, because those don't have to be connected. Right. Wow. Okay. So with you being the warrior woman that you are, (laughs) how do you recharge? Oh, how do I recharge? That's a good question. How do I recharge? Well, you know, normally I do a lot of walking and actually walking time is thinking time. Mm -hmm. Well, sometimes walking time is podcast time, not my podcast, but like listening to other podcasts mm-hmm. to learn things or to think about things. Um, and walking kind of becomes a trance like like and I don't take the, I have dogs. Actually, maybe you can hear them. I apologize if you can. Um, I have dogs. And if I take them for a walk, I'm taking them for a walk. But that's not my walking time. Right. My walking time is no dogs because they stop and they pee yeah. and they bark and I and I have to focus on them. And my walking time is like it's almost meditative. It's yes. just like and and it's a certain pace where you just get and you're not thinking about your feet and you're not thinking about your surroundings mm-hmm. and you just and then I'm thinking in my head. And that's the most recharging for me. Now I've had some issues with my feet lately, and that's kind of kind of put a damper on that. And I'm hoping to get that resolved soon because that really for me is I would say the most restorative. Yeah. What are you awesome at? Ah, what am I awesome at? Hopefully a lot of things. <laughs> you, have, you have to be a jack of all trades, I tell you. If as you know, if you're gonna run a show and write books yeah. and do social media and do all be these a parent. things. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I think, you know, if I had to pick one, I guess, um, probably big picture thinking, 
like thinking about the strategy and like patterns and how things come together and like the moves on the chessboard and like, you know, thinking about how things fit together. Mm, Okay. What legacy do you want to leave? Mm. To take the example very narrow. um, One of the things I thought about in terms of, you know, do I quit my tech job, my 20 year job, or do I not or what? Like, I realized I was setting an example for my kids of like someone who didn't really like their work and who was like, Oh, I got to go to work today. Right. And I, and I, I realized that wasn't the example I wanted to leave for them. And that, and that wouldn't be any kind of what would be the legacy there. Right. I helped them run their business a little better and I made some money and paid my bills. Right. Um, And I realized that, 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 if I if I made this change and pursued the stuff that I was passionate about, I wanted to set an example for my kids that you can get an idea and you can run with it. Oh, I'm sorry. That's making a weird noise. And I put it on Do Not Disturb before this, so I apologize. <laughs> um, um, I wanted to set an example that you can you can take an idea and you can run with it. And it might work, it might not work, you can morph it, whatever, but like you don't have to wait for permission for somebody to from somebody to try some ideas or try something you want to do. Um, and I wanted to set an example for my daughter and for my son of what strong women can do, mm. right? Like I can be a strong woman and a strong person. Uh, and not, and I, you know, I wanted to set that example and leave that as an example to them too. And thinking about their own um, lives and relationships that they might have, whether they're partner relationships or colleague relationships or friend or family relationships, and it's kind of setting that as an example um, as well. Mm, good. Give the listeners one motivational takeaway. Mm. Okay. So this is one of the pieces of, uh, I I wish I knew where, I I must have read this somewhere, like early on in the first year or two after my husband died, when I was really, and I was, I had this great therapist, and I would go in with my long list of all these things I was thinking about to bounce off of her, and I was reading a lot of books in that time, and and toying with a lot of ideas, and one of the ideas that I read somewhere, and I say, I wish I knew who, who I could attribute this to, if you think about your life as it is today, right now and you say if my life is the same five years from now as it is right now would I be okay with that Mm. right if the answer is no or especially if the answer is hell no (laughs) then then now is the time to do something about that because your life in five years you know isn't magically going to become something different or changed or whatever you think you don't want it to be, you know, like, but now, but you can do a lot in five years if you start now. Mm-hmm. And that idea, like I didn't have a lot of clarity and should I stay in my job and should I switch? And blah, 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 blah. But I could get clarity. If my life was the same in five years, I was not going to be okay with that. Hmm. And so that was like the only clarity I could find at that moment. Like, I don't know what any of this is going to be, but I know that. 
So I've got to start doing some things and working towards something, try some things, whatever. Um, and that was a really helpful perspective framing question that I, that I found. Mm, and I hope that would be helpful to some of your listeners as well. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, that's, it's making me think very, very, um, yeah, makes you think. Okay, Jenny, tell the listeners how they can connect with you, listen to your podcast, get your books, whatever else you have going on. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, um, everything about the book, you can find at futurewidowbook.com. So if you want to you know, read some information about it, if you want to find all the links to every retailer, ebook and paperback book, futurewidowbook.com um, is there. And actually, you know, on there, I've got a thing. If, if readers want to request a free signed book plate, I'll you know sign a book plate, drop it in the mail to them. Absolutely free. So that's there too. Um, the podcast is available everywhere you listen to, wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. You can also find my podcast. It's called The Widowed Parent Podcast. And so uh, my website, JennyLisk.com, J-E-N-N-Y-L-I-S-K, has all the podcast episodes, all the guest information, articles I've written, everything um, can be found there, including, of course, the book. And um, I should mention, for people who are listening, if they're widowed parents, I did put together a guide, and it's absolutely free. It's like a you know PDF that you can download of the top 10 things that I've learned from my guests on the show. Because I realized once I've been doing a bunch of interviews, then you got all this content, all this stuff. And I'm like, how do I like distill some of the most important points here? So I put that together and jennylisk.com slash top 10 is where you can download um, download that. And social media, I'm Lisk Jenny on all the platforms, L-I-S-K-J-E-N-N-Y. Wow. Well, Jenny, I thank you for such an amazing conversation. This has been just um, great. I'm like I said, it was very um, profound, very intriguing for me, and I could talk to you forever because it's just <laughs> something I just think is very interesting and very needed. So, mm. um, thank you for being on the show, and I hope we can stay in contact. And I wish you all the best. Absolutely. Thank you very much, and thank you for doing this. I think it's great that you interview all these fascinating guests and share their stories and. And, um, and yeah, it's just terrific. So keep up the good work and I'm sure we'll talk again soon. If you like Trina talk podcast, please don't forget to go out to iTunes and rate it five stars and leave a review. Also, who else in your life do you know that needs some motivation and inspiration in their lives? Don't forget to share Trina talk with them. I hope you have a great week. And remember, if you change your mindset, you can change your life. Keep striving. Because success is a journey, not a destination.